Thunder fans? Ho! Welcome to the pod of Thundera, where we take every episode of the original Thundercats sight beyond sight. We will discuss characters, plot, world, overall episode quality, and assess whether the episode holds up by today's standards and how it can be updated for modern audiences. I'm your host, Lars Beckley. Let's feel the magic, hear the roar, and let loose. Today's episode is called Burbles. It is the third episode of the very first season and the birthplace of my favorite Ewok knockoffs of all time. Time for a synopsis. Spoilers, but you knew that. We open with Mumra plotting in his tomb, sort of recapping who's who and what's what with the Thundercats and I of Thundera. And he's like, excellent. Since Lionel isn't there for me to accidentally destroy the eye, I'm going to throw rocks at the Thundercats and hope that they die. Cue the boulder storm. When the storm hits, Panther refuses to abandon his brand new baby Thunder Tank while the rest of the Thundercats take cover in the shipwreck. And a good thing too, since the Thunder Tank is the only thing strong enough to unearth the ship, which was buried by the sudden maelstrom. Moving on to Lionel and Snarf, who miraculously did not notice the pitch black clouds or insane amount of sound the rock storm would have caused, are wandering the jungle, all while being stalked by mysterious glowing eyes. Snarf gets very jittery and ends up fighting a rhino-type monster and winning? And we're just gonna glaze over that because, oh no! Lionel has fallen down a hole and he can't get out! Time for Snarf to save the day. But Snarf is small and the walls of the hole are very slippery. Luckily, the burbles lend Lionel a hand by lassoing him like a stubborn bull and pulling him out. Lionel is very indignant as all like, how dare you strike the son of Claudus! He's very huffy about it, and the Burbles are not impressed in any way, shape, or form. They take Lionel and Snarf hostage. Not long afterwards, the chief of the Burbles, Robert Bill, frees the captives and takes them to his village. A very cheerful sing-song, meeting Bill's wife Belle, and delicious Burble fruit snacks ensue. Shockingly hospitable despite the initial assault, Bill gives Lionel and Snarf a tour of their beautiful farmlands. Regular fruit, breadfruit, meat fruit, veggie fruit, the whole kit and caboodle. Unfortunately, the tour is cut short by a trollog attack. The Robears, despite shooting the trollogs with pea shooters, are unwilling to hurt them. Unable to comprehend the nuance of the situation, Lionel attacks, or rather frightens the trollogs away with a light show and a force field. Lionel then learns that the trollogs only raided the Robear village for the burble fruit because they need to pay tithe to the giantars, who control their only food source, the crawberry bushes. With no burble fruit from the trollogs, the giantars are taking matters into their own hands. Lionel summons the rest of the Thundercats at Snarf's behest to help defend the Burbles from the oncoming threat. The Thundercats, of course, successfully drive the Giantars off, but it's not over yet. Mumra is furious that his opponents have survived both Boulderstorm and Giantars. Not wanting the Burbles and the Thundercats to form an alliance, Mumra transforms himself into a swarm of locusts to attack the village. Not long after the siege begins, Mumra shapeshifts from a swarm of locusts into a single giant locust, which Lionel attacks one-on-one. -on -one driving Mumra away from the village and toward a volcano, where Mumra drops him. This is when Lionel first summons the sword from an unreachable place to his hand. The sword pulls him up and out of the volcano to safety. Mumra, having seemingly overextended himself, retreats once more to his tomb. Lionel returns just in time for the Burbles to arrive at the build site of the Cat's Lair, bearing gifts. Robert Bill volunteers his people to help build Cat's Lair in exchange for saving their village from the Trollogs, Giantars, and Mumra. They all have a jolly feast, cue the forced laughter, and fade out. Time for the story and world. 
What do we learn about the Thundercats, Thundera, and their adopted world of Third Earth through this episode? First things first, I need to talk about the Robear Burbles. They are adorable. They are a staple of the Thundercat universe and I love them so, so, so much. So we're gonna talk about them first. We know that Robear Burbles are from the planet Robear and ended up on Third Earth somehow. Are they a colony? Castaways? Like, what? What about Third Earth keeps pulling aliens toward it? Seems like almost every species on Third Earth is from somewhere else. Another thing I noticed right off the bat is that they immediately can tell Lion-O is a cub. They keep saying, like, Thunder Cub, Thunder Baby when they're teasing him. And maybe they are just making fun of them, or maybe they got some, like, natural insight going on. What is happening behind those beady little eyes? Also, that Welcome Back song is super, super adorable, and it comes up a couple of times that music seems pretty important to the Robert Burbles. Also, do all their names start with a B and Robert? Or is that just a thing for Robert Bill and Robert Bell? Is Robert like a formal title, like Miss or Mister? Who knows? The biggest thing is their crazy mastery of biology and agriculture when it comes to plants. Despite being mechanical, they've mastered the ability to basically grow any food group they want for their convenience, which honestly kind of sounds like a Tigra science journal entry, but we'll get to that in a minute. I want to know more about the Trollogs. Like, I legitimately feel bad for them. Why don't the Thundercats save them from the Giantars? It wouldn't have been a problem. Like, why don't the Burbles just cut out the middleman and grow crawberry bushes for the Trollogs so they don't have to deal with the Giantars at all? So many questions. So many simplistic feats of politics never to be addressed again. Mumra never leaves his tomb this episode, presumably from draining himself last time in his ever-living form. He summons a rain of boulders on the Thundercats and transforms them into a giant locust without the help of the ancient spirits of evil. Which is something I don't think he does again. Maybe we can chalk it up to the writers not having figured out rules for Mumra's magic yet, or just his weakened state. Moving on to the Sword of Omens, this is the first time we see the sword summoned to Lionel's hand. Funnily enough, it's when Mumra drops him over the very same volcano that they used to reforge the sword later. I would say it's narrative and magical relevance to how the sword works, and perhaps the power was awakened by its proximity to the Starfire volcano, which is really cool! If you forget, they probably didn't do it on purpose and used the same volcano mate over and over again, but still! Another thing we find out what the sword can do is something that Lino uses actually quite a few times by generating like a crazy light show force field that frightens the enemy. One final thing that I didn't mention in the last episode, Panthro was able to build a fully functional thunder tank out of what was left of the spaceship within, like, a month. Presumably single-handedly. I wonder if Thundarian ships are just equipped to have enough spare parts to build a tank with, or if there's, like, an Ikea kit in there, or maybe Panthro's just that good. Who knows? It's time for character highlights. What do we learn about the Thundercats? What do they do? Lionel is so petulant at the beginning of this episode. He's all like, I'm sorry, don't you know who I am? To a bunch of bears living in the woods. He's just so... 12. He's so reckless and naive in attacking the Trollogs before Robert Bell explains anything. It really continues to illustrate how much he has to learn. That being said, I do appreciate he's super ride-or-die for Snarf. It's cute. Arbitrary interest in science unlocked through Tigra, meteorology. And I hold fast to the idea that had this been written now, or at least had more thought put into it, Tigra would have been nerding out hard over the Burble's mastery of agriculture. Because, I mean, let's be real, it's pretty cool from a scientific perspective. I also noticed something really interesting about Tigra near the end of this episode. 
He tried to turn down the Burble's offer to help build Cat's Lair. This would be innocuous if it weren't for the fact that he consistently comes back and does similar things like this in future episodes. He's not like Lionel in that he doesn't ask for help as a matter of pride. He consistently does this because he doesn't want people to worry or be put in danger for him. You see it in the Garden of Delights, the Four Winds, the Crystal Canyon, and other episodes, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Still nothing for Shitara. Ugh, I mean, come on, you guys. Thundercats passes the Bechdel test of eventually, right? Right? Doesn't it? We do learn that Panther was 100% the car dad. You know, like, Boulder Storm, no problem. Ain't nothing bad gonna happen to this tank. It is his baby. He seems to have a propensity for projecting personalities onto machines, and I think that's very endearing. He's also back to the sarcasm again. Oh, he's a man now, uh-huh. Yeah, sure, no sarcasm there at all. Snarf has finally started to evolve beyond the whiny wet nurse animal sidekick stereotype, and we actually start seeing what Snarf is more consistently like in the rest of the series. He's super protective of Lionel, just super ride or die. He may be a little jumpy and distrustful, but I watched that old man trick a rhino thing into knocking itself over and scaring it away from me and Lino, and that takes some serious Papa Bear instincts. He also encourages Lino to call the Thundercats when he otherwise might not have, which is kind of why he's there. Go snarf! Time to address the overall quality. How's the sound, the music, animation, and voice acting? We got our groove back. No more weird and prolonged silence from the Unholy Alliance. We've got the oncoming danger music, and the music when the eye alerts Lionel of danger, as well as the cheerful upbeat music that cues up whenever something whimsical is happening. And the Robear Burbles are nothing if not whimsical. We even got the classic not super high stakes action track. The whole gamut. Still waiting for those phenomenal character themes though. The animation is still definitely on the lower end of the budget, the facial expressions and lip syncing are much more limited than in the pilot, and luckily for the animators, the only thing that indicates the bur burbles are talking is the light behind their mouthpieces. No super noticeable animation mistakes this time around, aside from characters' faces being a little inconsistent, especially the closer we get to the end of the episode. But that's pretty standard fare for 80s cartoons. But Guess whose voice is finally at least somewhat tolerable? Snarf! Thank goodness! Bob Kenny finally found him! The first two episodes were really rough with that super, super high-pitched voice. He's kind of toned it down a little bit, and it's really, really helping the character be more likable. I also feel like Larry Kenny is getting way more comfortable in Lionel's character. Feels a little bit more dynamic, a little less corny. I feel like everybody's getting a little more comfortable in their roles at this point. And then Robert Bill's voice is absolutely iconic and adorable, and I love it. So much. Robert Bell? Eh, not as much. A little grating, a little too high-pitched, you know? But what are you gonna do? Especially when you only have one woman on your voice cast. Now, the final score. The real question. Does it hold up, and does it need any modern updates? I feel like this episode is definitely above the middle bar as far as quality goes. It was good, but it could have been better, and the potential is killing me! I absolutely adore the Robert Burbles to pieces, and this episode illustrates Lionel's naivety and ignorance of nuanced situations with the Burbles versus Trollogs versus Giantars situation, even though it kind of got glazed over by the end. Mostly because of how they chose to use Mumra, it felt like they didn't really know what to do with him this episode. He doesn't even really leave his pyramid, he's just like, I think I will cause problems on purpose, and kind of undercuts what really could have been an interesting learning experience for Lionel. I mean, how cool would it have been to see Lionel learn from his mistake and the Thundercats getting the Burbles and Trollogs to stop 
feuding over the burble fruit the Trollogs can't even eat to unite against the Giantars. That could have been awesome. But no, we gotta worry about Boulder Rain and one giant locust. Also, at the end of this episode, while wholesome, it felt very reminiscent of, like, woefully historically inaccurate retellings of Thanksgiving in which the Burbles are the natives and Thundercats are pilgrims or whatever. The implications are kind of weird. It kind of begs the question, like, who is doing the farming while most of the Burbles help build Cat's Lair? It's like, they were the Thundercats' voluntary labor force and also their main food supply in exchange for pretty much the just the idea of protection. Pretty lopsided, I'm not gonna lie. So, like, picture this. I already noted that Tigra, nerd that he is, would have an absolute field day figuring out how the Burbles can bioengineer basically any food they want in order to grow them on trees. What if the Robear Burbles teach the Thundercats to feed themselves and they've got, like, hydroponic gardens and cat's lair? Problem solved. Self-sufficiency achieved. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Pod of Thundera. I've been your host, Lars Beckley. Thundercats is the property of Rankin Bass. The song Thundercats intro theme song guitar cover instrumental extended TV metal provided by Javier Bustacara Ruiz. Tune in next time for Thundercats Season 1, Episode 4, The Slaves of Plundar. Thunder fans, ho!